0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Art of Attraction with Dominie Drew. Thank you so much for joining me. This is a space where I take time every week to connect with you, to talk to you about what it is that you are doing that is holding yourself back from what you want, from relationships, from happiness, from success, from money from uh, fulfillment, from spiritual connection, what is it that you are doing that is leading you to feel inauthentic, right? The program that I just created recently, it's a more advanced program for my students. It's called The Art of Authenticity. And it is truly about how to identify and live from your authentic self in a completely fearless way. And so from this place, from this awareness that that you are in fact what is keeping you from the happiness that you desire, we are able to study here the exact ways in which that happens. Now, you're a smart person, you're probably, you know, educated, you can, you're competent, you can handle yourself in life, you can go to the grocery store, you can feed yourself, and yet you can't seem to figure out what it is that is keeping you from the happiness that you seek. Yes? So here we look at why that is. Okay. It's not because you're not intelligent enough, it's not because. You are you know, not good enough or there's something wrong with you. This is an experience shared by most humans on the planet. And so the reason you're unable to find it is that uh, a couple of things. One is that the source of the issue exists in your subconscious. By definition, it cannot be accessed by the conscious mind. If it could have, then your basic intelligence would have already um, solved the problem by now, right? You would have fixed this by now. The reason you haven't been able to is because you, the, the, the problem by definition exists in a place where you cannot access it. Okay. Now, the other reason that this can be very difficult to access is because you, um, uh, and again, because you're an intelligent person, um, it is very subtle, these things. And the topic that I'm going to talk to you about today is also uh, a very subtle topic. Aspects of it are not subtle and you will um, resonate with them probably immediately. You probably already resonated with the title of this podcast and uh, episode and that's why you're, uh, you're checking it out, which is great. I'm glad that you are. So, um, so I want to talk a little bit about those obvious ways and then I also want to talk about the uh, less obvious, the more subtle ways in which you might be sabotaging yourself without even realizing it. Okay. So today I want to talk about shooting and the art of self love. It's been a while since I've done an episode on shooting, and it is really a a powerful topic. And so I really wanted to redo this one. So, shooting, shooting yourselves, right? People are shooting all over themselves. They're shooting all over everybody else, and they're shooting all over life. And it's absolutely exhausting. So, shooting. What is shooting? Shoulding is when you are um, telling yourself that you should be some other way. That's shooting all over yourself. Shoulding all over someone else is saying or thinking to yourself, this person should be some other way. Now, if you're shooting life, oh, it shouldn't be this way. Oh, traffic should be going faster. Oh, more people should be democratic. Oh, more people should care about the environment. Oh, more people should be spiritual. Or the opposite of all those things. Right? That is placing a limitation on life. Actually, excuse me, let me rephrase that. It's not actually putting a limitation on life because it's not affecting life. What it's all it's doing is making you unhappy because you're doing something called arguing with reality. The fact of the matter is, you know, life is the way it is. That person in front of you is the way they are. Doesn't mean they can't change, but it's not in your control to change them. Okay. So if I go around going, man, you know, I've helped so many single men to, you know, find relationships and and understand why they're single and fix the problem. More people should take my advice. Cool. Well, that's not something I can control. I I offer what I offer and the people who take advantage of it get massive benefit. And that's fantastic. And the people who don't want it, don't want it. Right? I could argue against that and I could push it and I could be like, oh, you should work with me. But that's really just me um, trying to force something to happen that isn't authentically happening. So in the Art of Authenticity program, so I, I've had up until now an eight-week program called the Art of Attraction. And that was geared specifically um, at, uh, for single men who have no idea why they're still single and no idea how to fix it. And it shows them why they're single and how to fix it. Okay? And this does not need to take very long, okay? I actually have two versions of this program now. One has live coaching with me, which is a men's only program. And one is online that um, is available for men and women. Now, what I've done with the art of authenticity is I've taken the work to a whole new level, okay? This is about how to be authentic, how to be fearlessly and unapologetically yourself as a default. That is where I am. By this point, I've done this work myself for almost 20 years, and I was a mess of insecurities and uncertainties and fear and self-loathing and shitting. Oh my gosh, I shitted all over myself, and I shitted all over other people and life. I was the trifecta of arguing with reality. And in this work, what I've done is learned to um, how to be authentic. Who is my authentic self? And then how do I bring her out as, you know, and 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 have that be my my default state? And now I have achieved being able to do that. And I have done it through this work. And so with the Art of Authenticity, it is a 12-week program that um, can also be done with live coaching with me or just online. And either way is incredibly powerful. And it's explicitly geared toward teaching you how to be authentic. So why is this relevant? Because shooting is something that you do when you don't feel like it's okay to be yourself. Okay? Shoulding is saying no. Shoulding yourself is saying no to yourself. Shoulding another person is saying no to that other person. You are rejecting them. You should be some other way. So what you're saying there is it's not okay that you are how you are. You ought to be some other way that you are not. And so there's something wrong with you. There's something wrong with you. When you do it to yourself. Man, I don't know why, you know, this, 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 this breakup wasn't even that big of a deal. I don't know why I'm so upset. God, I shouldn't be so upset. I shouldn't be angry. I should think more positively. Um, I should be thinner. I should be more beautiful. I should be more disciplined. I should move out of my house. I should get out of this relationship. I should get into a relationship. I should love myself more. I should stop shooting myself. This is incessant for a lot of us. Okay? It is no joke. (laughs) And it's okay if this resonates with you, and it's okay. If this sounds like you, it certainly sounds like the way I used to be. And I'm going to show you how to um, identify these shoulds and how to recognize them and what to do with them to to stop them. But first, I want to explain what's really happening and why it's so important to stop shoulding yourself. Okay? Because when you say no to yourself, and what this has to do with the art of authenticity, okay, because I call this episode Shoulding and the Art of Self Love. Um, and that is because Shoulding is the opposite of Self Love. It is one of the main ways in which we um, uh, stave off self love. It's also something that is easily confused with being uh, with self motivation, okay? Now, some of you might be thinking, sure, I mean, I should myself, I should go to the gym, I should go to work, I should, you know, do these things. But if I didn't do that, then I wouldn't go anywhere. First of all, that's a limiting belief. You don't know what would happen if you stopped doing all that because you probably never have. Uh, and even if you have, it depends on how you stop doing all those things. Okay. Um, depending and, and how you, for what reasons and with what intention you stop doing those things in will change your result. However, a lot of people confuse shooting with self-improvement. I won't go anywhere if I stop shooting myself, but these are not the same thing, okay? Motivation and self-improvement. Self-improvement comes from a desire to improve the self. Telling yourself you should improve yourself is not a desire to improve yourself. It's you telling yourself you ought to be some way that you're not. In this case, motivated to self-improve. God, you just don't even care whether you're, you're getting better or not, do you? You should care. What is wrong with you? You should care. So in that way, rather than motivating yourself to be better, you're punishing yourself for not being good enough. Those are two different streams. Some people can turn one into the other, but most people just hate themselves more. Because now not only are you not working out, you're not improving yourself, and you're not good enough in most ways, but now also you're bad for not doing those things. So now you feel guilty for not doing those things and you feel worse because you're bad for you see what I mean? It adds an an additional exterior layer of judgment instead of releasing the um the, the the ball of the issue that is the first place that is the issue in the first place. Okay. So it actually takes, it's a step back. So now not only am I um, not doing the things that I feel I ought to do, but I'm bad for not doing that. And this is a layer of self-judgment. Okay. What is the difference between shoulding and uh, desiring, right? Wanting to do something. So the example is if I, um, you know, I'm not doing my taxes, okay? And I need to do my taxes. So I say, I hear myself, I go, oh, I really should do my taxes. Now, if doing some, doing my taxes were something that I really wanted to do, that don't mean I want to do it because it's fun and joyful, because I may not enjoy doing my taxes, although I really don't mind doing my taxes personally. But it's not that it's um, uh, the the type of situation where you, you know, oh, I can't wait to do my taxes. It's going to be so fun. Although, hopefully, that is your experience of doing your taxes. If not, you should try doing them differently. Um, it's more like, oh, I really, I, I really, you know, I, I really want to because I, I want my taxes to be done. Right. If I genuinely wanted to do my taxes in this moment, I would just say, I'm going to go do my taxes. I am going to go do my taxes. There's no should there okay? The should is only there when it's not something that I want to do and I'm punishing myself for wanting to do it. In this way, I say no to myself. How do I mean? In that moment, I don't want to do my taxes. That is the objective reality. I don't mean I don't want to, like, again, it's not fun. I mean, I don't want to do that in this moment. That is not the right path for me. Okay. In the next moment, I might be like, oh, I'm not looking forward to doing my taxes, but I'm gonna do them anyway because I want them done. So now I want to do my taxes, even though I'm not looking forward to doing my taxes, I want the result of that. And so I want to do it. Not because it's fun, but because it's important and I want the results. Right? I want to be free of having my taxes off my shoulders, whatever. Okay. So if instead, um so, so when I say that, and when I dived into uh, my particular um, uh, shoulds, right, I found my mother's voice personally for me with my mother's voice. And I did a lot of digging. And what I came up with is that, is this statement, if I were the person my mother wants me to be, I would do my taxes. It had nothing to do with me. It was an image of what I wanted to project to my mother, who was probably not even standing there. But again, we we uh, we really uh, what's the word I'm thinking of? Can't quite think of it. But essentially, we we embody uh, voices of our uh, from our parents from when we were young. Okay, and we um, we take those on until they sound like our voice. Okay. And it's quite subconscious. We just think, oh yeah, I'm just, everybody should. So I really should do my taxes. We don't think anything of it. And that means we're on default. And that means that we're being controlled by something that we're not conscious of. We are not living life fully in that moment. We are instead on autopilot. Take a moment right here and just ask yourself. How much of life do you live on autopilot How much of this, whether it's things that you learned on this podcast, or you know things that you've learned in, in, other, uh, in other environments or other situations, how much of that has been a surprise to you to where you realize that up until that realization, you are just acting. You're just reacting? The level of consciousness. Is so low in most people. Conscious awareness, really, wow, huh? What do I feel? What is the experience of this like? Huh? I wonder why I had that reaction. That's really interesting, right? All of that stuff is so subconscious that we don't even realize. And we just go through our lives, you know, like a pinball machine, just being hit from one place to another wherever, wherever we're, you know, sort of tossed. We don't live intentional lives. And this is one of the ways that that tends to happen. So, when we should ourselves, um, so when I, so I'll go back to the, to the taxes example. So, when I say I should do my taxes, um, what I'm doing is rejecting myself in the moment. I don't want to do my taxes in this particular moment. Um, and I'm telling myself that I should be some other way. When I do that, I reject my real self. Okay man, I really should have a girlfriend. I get it. I specialize in helping um, single men and more recently single women to attract a life partner authentically. And it's a huge point of pain when they don't have one. Loneliness is incredibly painful. I'm not saying you need to stay single by, you know, that accepting your real self is in that moment is to stay single, but it is to accept that this is a very painful situation and this is the reality in the moment. When you do that, you allow yourself to feel the pain of being alone, of not wanting to be single. What happens when you do that is you accept the reality and now it can move through you. First of all, you're experiencing that moment instead of being on autopilot. And to be clear, when you're on autopilot, you cannot feel You are literally missing life, all of it. And you'll dip in for a minute and you'll have that memory and then you'll go out again, go back onto autopilot. Okay. When you come in and embody life in a very real way, you're really living it. You are more um, open and you're stronger and you're more joyful, and you're more beautiful, and you radiate from the inside out, and your body comes into perfect balance with itself, and you don't need to diet, or you know, you may need to exercise as far as like kind of you know staying healthy, um, or excuse me, as far as like getting fit, but like you will you will naturally become healthy because your body naturally holds its own balance of health. The only thing that that takes you out of that is your uh, is distortions. Right. When you're not listening to your body, when you're not letting yourself, not letting life come through you, when you're rejecting the reality. So there is a way, a very real way in which you reject your real self. Now, when you should and you reject your real self, okay, let's talk about shooting yourself for a moment. When you reject your real self, usually you do that because it's a model that is, excuse me, it's a behavior that is modeled by a parent. You are rejecting yourself. Where did you learn that? In other words, who rejected you as a child? Who told you that the way you were wasn't okay and you really ought to be someone else or some other way or fatter or thinner or a different color, or a different size, or shape. Who told you that? Where did you learn that? And each time you should yourself, you reject yourself all over again, and you enforce, you reinforce that negative programming. It also happens when you compare yourself to others. Oh, man. Joey's already got a wife and kids, and I'm 35 and single and, you know, no prospects on the horizon. Even just the tonality in which I said that, you can hear the self-judgment. There is something wrong with me and something right about Joey because he has something that I think I want. So, When you see someone else, and this is different than like envy, like, oh, wow, I love that person's life. I want it. I'm going to make that happen for myself. That is a connected feeling. This is about I'm not good enough because of what somebody else apparently seems to have. And I say apparently and seems to because a lot of times when you um, really look at another person's life experience, it's not as rosy as it seems to the outside, right? When you really dig down. But doesn't matter. You're comparing yourself. So you take the outside and you go, that person's got their shit together because of usually not very much information at all. And you tell yourself that you're wrong. You say no to yourself. You, I shouldn't be single. There's something wrong with me. I shouldn't be single. I should be married by now. Based on what? Your friends? Your parents telling you? Society? The fuck do they know? Don't know anything. They don't know anything about your path. Only you do. But as you, when you should yourself, you reject your own path and, um. And really uh, desire someone else's, covet you covet someone else's. You tell yourself my path is wrong and bad, and their path is better, because he's got a wedding ring on. And that means he's happy, which I think I do not need to say, it does not. Okay, so how do you recognize this? So oftentimes, I said in the very beginning, shooting can be very obvious or very subtle. So the first way, the most obvious way to tell whether or not you're shooting yourself is to listen to your language. You will say it very casually. Your friends will say it very casually. But every time you say it, you do a little bit of damage to yourself. You're, you're arguing with reality. Oh, God, I mean, I shouldn't be single, but COVID, you know? Now you're a victim. You're, you're arguing with reality. Something that is not COVID is keeping you single. Okay, lots of people met together you know, during this time. It has nothing to do with, with the circumstances. It has to do with you and what's going on inside you. So look for the word should in your language and become highly suspicious of it, okay? Um, you know, oh, you know, I just, oh, I had, you know, fried chicken for dinner last night and I, I really shouldn't have, you know, um, fried food, but I just, da, 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 da. you know, and everyone goes, oh, ha, 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 isn't she love? And your inner self hurts a little bit. You may not even feel it, but once you learn to tune in, you will feel it every single time. So look for the word should in your language. And instead, think of a different way of saying that. You know, I had fried chicken for dinner last night. And I have been trying to lose weight. Um, but it's, it smells so good. And I really wanted a treat. And so I decided to have some fried chicken. There's no should in that. Yep. I'm aware that I am trying for this one thing and that this is going to go the other direction. But that was my choice. And I'm excited about it because it was fried chicken and yum. Okay. So there's a way that there's no like, oh, I'm bad for having done that. You're not. You're not bad for not dieting. You're not bad for not exercising. It has certain consequences. You may be less healthy. You might be incredibly overweight. That doesn't hurt anybody except you. And overweight isn't bad because, you know, if you tell yourself that's ugly or things like that, it's not about that. You know, people who are very, very heavy, and, you know, we live in a in the United States, we have um, obesity is just, I mean, it's absolutely commonplace. Um, I think something something like thirty percent, but it might be actually quite a bit more than that. Um, of people of the population is obese, um, and then this sort of movement comes out like, "Oh, big is beautiful," and the intention of that is good. It's trying to bring confidence and self love, but the execution is inaccurate because you know, the reason why you don't have that self-love, one of the reasons you don't have that self-love is because you are out of balance with yourself. You are unhealthy. Self-confidence and self-love is incredibly beautiful. Yes. Being wildly unhealthy is not because you are out of alignment with yourself and out of alignment with yourself, whether it's you're a smoking hot person, but you have a really negative mindset that will also will push people away and make you less attractive. Or you're you know, a great person, but you've got a real distortion around your body and you can't um, you know, get your weight under control. You can't get back into balance. It's, it's about what is, in, in what is balance for your body and mind and system. When those things come into balance, it doesn't matter what your body looks like. But it will not be heavy and overweight. I mean, even the term overweight, it's more than your body naturally wants to carry. I actually used to be quite overweight myself, and I was wildly out of out of sync with my own body. Um, and then i i I did this work. I did the work that I now teach, and it it Um, I got to the point where I started breaking the patterns that I had, the emotional and behavioral patterns that led to me gaining and maintaining all of that weight. And as I did that, as I did this work exclusively, the weight began to fall off. And now I'm in perfect balance with my body and I I eat whatever I want. And I'm not like one of those people, (laughs) right? Who can sort of Oh, you know, calories just don't even seem... They seem to burn them off. You got such a high metabolism. I don't, really. But I don't find that I desire things that that aren't authentically what I desire. Whereas before, I would eat a lot of stuff that I didn't really want because I was eating for a different reason. And so in that way, I was saying no to myself. Well you know, it doesn't feel good to do this, but I really don't want to feel this. And so I'm just going to go ahead and eat. I was saying no to myself. The way to say yes to myself in that moment is, oh, I really feel uncomfortable right now. I'm just going to let myself feel that. Right? Tolerating the discomfort. Tolerating the reality of, whew, I'm feeling something right now, maybe loneliness, maybe like a failure, maybe like I should be some other way feeling this. Okay, can you just let yourself feel that? Okay. Feelings, even uncomfortable feelings, are just feelings. They're not gonna hurt you. Let yourself feel them and let them move through. So, hearing the word should in your language is your first red flag. Anytime you notice it, stop and check in, huh, if I just told myself that I should have a girlfriend, what is the reality that I am trying to avoid? Where am I saying no to myself? After you get good at at finding the word should in your language, I want you to start looking for the word should in your thoughts. Okay, this is far, far more subtle. Okay, you could have a thought um, of, you know, you sit at at your desk and you look at the lamp and it bothers you that the lamp is in that corner because it really ought to be in the other corner. That's a little should. Right? You get up in the morning and you look at yourself in the mirror and you see a little gray coming in at your temples and you have a negative response to that. That's a should. I shouldn't be going gray. I'm only 36 or whatever. Some people go gray when they're 30, 25. Who cares? What are you attaching to that? That's the next step. That's a different topic. But here, it's where are you telling yourself, no, the fact of the matter is you've got some gray on your temples. Cool. How do you want to respond? Do you want to reject it? Do you want to dye it? Do you want to pretend it's not happening? Do you want to be wrapped in insecurity and uncertainty um, because you're... Um, you know, because you don't think you should be turning gray. When is a good time to turn gray? Never. This is the reality. The reality is in front of you. You can, you can try to deny it and pretend it's not happening if you'd like. That's allowed. But when you do that, you say no to the reality of what is, and that causes suffering. I want to create a distinction here between pain and suffering. Pain happens. It is inevitable. You, get, uh, you have a wonderful dog who's your very best friend, and the dog gets hit by a car. A pandemic hits. COVID-19, pandemic hit. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people have died. This is a horrible, horrible thing. It's still happening. I Pretend it's not happening. I could argue against it. A lot of people are denying it's even real because they don't want to face that reality. They think it's being overblown or they think it's being this or that. And meanwhile, the death count is rising. Where are you arguing with reality? So you've got a little gray coming in, temples. How does that make you feel? What is the, re- what is the feeling response? <gasps> I'm, I'm afraid because I'm, I'm facing my own mortality. Oh, I'm afraid because I'm, I might be getting old. I'm not ready to get old. I haven't lived enough life. Okay, cool. Let yourself feel all of that. And then gradually, as you begin practicing accepting the reality that is there, you will find it easier and easier to accept. But we'll get to that in a bit. Okay, so we're back to how to recognize it. So hearing the word should in your language, hearing the word should in your thoughts, Anytime you're telling yourself no. Anytime you're you're telling someone else no. Ah, my brother is, you know, getting married again, and you know, he's been married twice now, and why can't he just settle down with a good woman? What's wrong with what he's doing? Seems to be working for him. It may not be making him happy. But why does that, how is that, what does that have to do with you? Right? He's on his path. If he wants to do differently, he'll do differently. Okay? So just to finish my thought here about the pain and suffering is um, pain, you know, happens. Things get hit by cars. Things die. Pandemic happens. And, and but the, the shooting, the arguing with reality creates human suffering. So pain is inevitable suffering is when you resist reality, any kind of resisting reality. Oh, I can't believe it's raining. It's my wedding day. It shouldn't be raining today. That's going to create some suffering. Right? Whereas the pain of the wedding day might've just been like, oh, well, we couldn't use that beautiful tent outside, you know, because it was raining so hard. And that was, that was a bummer. So there's the pain. And then the, I can't believe it wasn't supposed to, re- I did so much research. It was not supposed to rain today. God, and that you will hold on to, potentially, for the next 20 years. On your deathbed, you could go, oh, I can't believe it rained on my wedding day. It did. You chose to get married outside. It's a thing that happened. So you see, there is the pain in that. There is the, oh, man, I really wanted to have a wedding, you know, Yeah, there's disappointment. There's pain. Let yourself feel that. That's okay. That's okay. There's pain in life. The suffering is voluntary. The suffering you choose. You choose to stay focused on why that person left you 10 years ago. You're staying mad at her. Okay, I'm going to stay mad at her. Cool. You can absolutely do that just like your brother can keep getting remarried to the wrong people and getting divorced. You know, not getting divorced is not better than getting divorced, right? Whatever you're doing is not any better or worse than what anybody else is doing. But when you carry an image of how things should be, how you should be, how other people should be, how the world should be, then you're constantly um, thinking that things aren't right. And it creates a lot of negative stress, negative thought patterns, negative emotions, exhaustion, heartache, frustration, anger, disappointment. All of these things come from pushing against or denying what is. So anytime you're saying no to what is. <clears throat> so let's say you get laid off, you get laid off from a job and you, you know, there's the pain of, oh God, now I have to find another job. And I was doing so I thought I was doing so well. And, da, 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 and this happened again. Let's say it's happened before. So there's the pain and the frustration, maybe the fear that comes with it. Now, what am I going to do? Am I going to have enough money? And da 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 da. da. And so there's, there's that pain. And then the suffering is no, I cannot believe this. This should not have happened. I should have gotten that promotion. I should have gotten that opportunity. Joe should have gotten fired. I shouldn't have gotten. Fired. And so you're just arguing with what has happened. you don't get a say in what happens unless you're doing it. Oh, sure. Your actions will, will, um, strongly influence. There will be consequences depending on who you are. If you came in every day to work and you were kind of a dick, then, you know, you may have gotten fired over somebody else who may have doing approximately the same level of good jobs. And, You know, but maybe they were very pleasant. Maybe they said yes to themselves and to other people more, right? Inwardly. So, anytime you catch yourself comparing yourself to others, I should have gotten that job. Somebody else has a better job. Somebody else is more independent at this age. I get that from clients, you know, oh, I should be, other people have jobs and careers, and I'm still at home with mom and dad. Cool. I'm not saying you should stay home with mom and dad. I'm a big fan of being independent. Um, that being said, shooting and comparing is not the solution to that. Shooting and comparing is what makes you miserable and keeps you in your mom's basement. Okay. Forget the shooting and comparing. Instead, man, I am still living in my mom's basement. I am 35 years old. I'm going to change this. No more. That incites action. That creates actual movement and change. Shoulding just adds a layer of judgment. It does not motivate. Okay. Somebody else has more money. Somebody else has a girlfriend or a wife or a family or children. If you see those things and you want them, you do not have them. That's when you reach out to me and you go, damn it, I have no fucking clue why I don't have these things and I want them. Cool. Let's figure that out. Another way you can recognize if you're shooting yourself is if you feel blocked or restricted in your life. It's often how people feel when they can't figure out what the problem is. Man, I don't know why. I just can't figure out what the problem is. Feeling depressed comes from shooting yourself a lot. Um, for a long time, I was depressed when I was young because uh, I wouldn't let myself have my emotions because I told myself I shouldn't be angry. Oh, I shouldn't be sad about that. It's not a big deal. Well, the reality is you're having a lot of emotion, so clearly it is a big deal. Just because your brain doesn't understand why it's a big deal does not make it not a big deal. Those two things are not related. So all of these things, all of these ways to recognize, begin to pay attention to. Hearing the word should in your language. Hearing the word should in your thoughts, noticing anytime you tell yourself no, anytime you catch yourself comparing yourself to others, jobs, independence, money, girlfriend, whatever, anytime you're feeling blocked or restricted, or anytime you're feeling depressed. But mostly, the first two um, methodologies of just noticing your language and your thoughts of where you use the word should. And then more subtly, anytime you tell yourself no, that is the place. Okay? All of these things stand in the way of self-love. When you say no to yourself, when you reject yourself, that is the antithesis of self-love. You are telling yourself you are bad and wrong and you should be some other way. There is no love in that. Motivation would be, oh man, I'm tired of this body. You know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to start working out every single day and I'm going to get fit and I'm going to get to the point where I love. That is self-love, right? That is what will motivate you. Okay. That is um, a way of saying, yes, I want that. I'm going to do this. This is something that I want in the moment. I want to be more fit. Done. I don't care what it takes. Cool. You come into just about anything with that mindset and you are golden. You are golden. So when you begin to recognize, once you finally understand and can see this operating in your system, then what do you do? So when you notice a moment of, oh man, I really, I I should be married by now, the invitation is there to practice some self-acceptance. You know what? I'm not married right now. In that moment. A couple of things need to happen to beat this problem. The first is to let yourself feel the emotions that come with that. I am so hurt and disappointed and scared that I'm not married by this age. Oh, now that's a different statement. That's a statement of reality. This is a thing that's happening and this is how I feel about it. Cool. That is a, oh man, I'm in this reality and it's, it's, I'm having these feelings about it that have your feelings. In that way, you acknowledge and own the reality. Also, those feelings are there. You're just shooting them away. And when you do that, you actually, they actually get stuck and you feel them more. When we try to avoid our feelings, instead, what tends to happen is we just lock them in. Right? Like, um, you know, your, your wife leaves you and you're still angry about it 20 years later, there is a part of you that has not let go. And so you're literally keeping yourself in a kind of purgatory. You're keeping yourself attached to the situation that was unhappy. And so you're not getting over it. If somebody dies and you don't grieve enough for you, however much that is, if you let yourself feel the pain of that loss, and it's painful, I'm with you. I get it. It's still there. Life is painful. Sometimes. But if you let yourself feel it, right? If you let yourself embody it and you surrender the emotion and you feel it, then that emotion goes. And it only lasts really mostly a few seconds, max a couple of minutes. Anything longer than that and you're holding on to it. Waves, um, emotions move like waves, okay? What we tend to do is... Um, let's say there's a wave of grief coming. We don't want to feel the grief because it's uncomfortable, right? Obviously. So there's two ways that we can distort that. One is we can block the wave from coming in at all. Nope. Oh God. Nope. Absolutely not. I don't want to feel that. I'm going to go eat ice cream and watch TV. I'm going to go, you know, I'm going to to numb out. I'm going to take a pill. I'm going to play a video game. I'm going to um, distract myself, watch TV, not live. I don't want to, I don't want to live. I don't want to, I don't want to tolerate this. And we block the emotion. That emotion that was trying to come up and be expressed through you in that moment then gets stuck because it's been denied. So that causes that, that way, that natural way of emotion, because you said no to it, it then gets stuck. There's a little distortion there now. It's going to come up and try again later. And if you say no again, it's not going to get processed and eventually it's going to manifest either as weight or depression or um, stress or um, mental um, mental issues of some kind or another. okay all of that can be fixed by simply feeling your feelings. okay The best thing to do is feel them in the moment. The second way that the emotion the, the wave of emotion can be um, blocked is when the emotion comes and then you hold on to it. Okay? That's like um, like the example of um, keeping yourself in purgatory when your, your ex left you a long time and you won't let go, right? I can't let go of my ex. Purgatory. You're holding on to the feelings, whether they're feelings of longing or they're feelings of hatred or they're feelings of abandonment, whatever it is, you're not letting them come cleanly through your system and letting yourself feel those feelings. And instead, you're holding on, you're wallowing. Right? Somebody dies and you're still not over it 10 years later. That means you haven't processed it. You're not letting yourself feel the pain and accept what comes with that. So when those wave of emotions come, You want to let them come through. Again, it's just discomfort. Keep breathing. It's not going to last too long. But let yourself really feel them. Okay? Don't hold your breath. That stops your field. That stops the movement. Don't hold on to them. Don't deny them. Just let them come up authentically and through you. Okay? When you do this, you will immediately become healthier and happier. It is very, it is very fast. Okay. So self-acceptance in the moment, what are you saying no to? What are you shooting away? So another way, um, what do you do in the moment when you notice yourself shooting? right? Consider the possibility. So you see yourself say, oh man, I, I should be, I should be married by now. Let's go with that one. Okay. I should be married by now. Consider the possibility. What if you were amazing, great, worthy? What if you mattered? What if you were important, just as you are in this moment? What if you were already on the right path? What if you were in exactly the right place? What if you were perfect just as you are? Don't be shy of that word. Nobody's perfect. Redefine the word. What if just as you are now, you were fantastic? And when you consider that possibility, you... um, you, you stop rejecting yourself. I don't know why I'm single right now. Part of me wishes that I were not single, but I am single. Maybe there's a reason why I'm single right now. I don't mean a reason like you're sabotaging and, and you very well maybe, and that's, that's fine. We can work through that and come to me and I'll help you through that. Um, but I mean, like, what if, you know, there's that, that's, your, that's your path in this moment? I mean, clearly that's your path because here you are, Right. So just consider the possibility. What if you are great just as you are in this moment? Oh, I should be thinner, maybe. Or maybe there's really good reasons why you are the way you are. You can change the way you are by finding those reasons. But in the moment, what if you just said yes to yourself? Oh, man, I sure wish I were a brunette. I should be a brunette. Hmm. But I'm not. I'm sort of a blonde, red-haired-ish type thing. Okay. And in that way, I say yes to myself. I I unshould myself. <laughs> okay. If you want to take it a step further, notice what reaction you were rejecting, and ask yourself why. Oh, I should be a brunette. Well, no, that, that, that example doesn't good. Uh, oh, okay, I should be married by now, huh? I wonder why. Is it because, you know, my parents are telling me I should be married by now, or because I have Other friends who are 35 and they're married, although chances are you probably have some other friends, even more friends who are 35 who are not. What is it? Why do I think that I need to be married? And because everyone else is, is not a good response because everyone is not. And then to take it even a level further, if you if you want to, in those moments when you recognize the shitting, consider what it is that's causing you to want. um, Consider that what's causing you to want to reject, maybe belong to someone else. Personally, for me, I've never felt the pressure to get married. Uh, I don't fully want to. I'm excited to do that um, at some point in my life, but I've never felt pressure like I'm getting too old. I don't really know what that means. I've had lots of offers for, of marriage. Every single man I've ever dated has wanted to marry me from the time I was about <laughs> 18, 19. So that's not something. And yet, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll share with you there was a moment when I was in college and I had, I guess maybe I was turning 20 or I was turning, I don't know. I guess I was in college, so I had to be 22 or less. Um, and I had, and maybe I'd been speaking to somebody who had that like, oh, you have to get married a certain time or you're a failure in life or whatever it is that, you know, the quote unquote logic behind that bullshit. Um, but I had this moment of genuine fear. Like I felt that, that template of like, oh my God, I'm not, you know, I mean, if I want to do this, then I want, you know, I want not be married a certain amount of time. I want to be engaged for a while. If I want to be married by this time, then da, 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 da. And never, again, does my mind work this way because I, I got rid of all of that bullshit. All of that bullshit. Just so you know, all of that is fixable. But I, had, I experienced it in that moment. I felt real fear. And then I asked myself where that fear, what that fear was based on. Why do I think I should be married by 30 or 35? Other, other people are married. Are they divorced by 36? You know? what what force and it was someone that i had been speaking to who who felt this this sort of fear and so in this way that wasn't me i'm not really afraid of that thing i have other issues that's not really one of them for me and so i had i had sort of Taken on somebody else's should. Oh man, maybe there is something wrong with me. Well, maybe not. Maybe not. And I am completely into self work, and I was at this point as well. So, like, it's not that I don't want to be my best me. I don't want to get better. I am growth oriented to the, I mean, absolute extreme. Um, but shoulds don't don't do that. Okay. Me telling myself I should be better does not make me want to be better. It makes me feel terrible for not being better. Whatever better even means, by the way. So consider that what's causing you to want um, to reject may not actually be yours. Man, I feel like I should be married because all my friends are married. I wonder why I have to be married if all my friends are. As opposed to, oh, I really, I really want to get married. Cool, different statement. I want to, and I should be, are different statements. So, shoulding is saying no to yourself. It's the rejection of your real and very intentional and sacred self. It often comes from your mind not being able to understand why you are where you are, which is one of the reasons that my work is so effective. Because once you understand why you're still single, everything begins to shift because now you know what problem to solve. Suddenly, you are empowered because you've taken responsibility for it. You're not just, you're not just, you know, oh, just, you know, women these days or online dating or whatever it is, whatever excuse you're telling yourself about why you're still single. It isn't any of those things. Because those things are existing for everyone and yet lots of people are getting into happy relationships. So there is some way in which you are keeping yourself single. It is the shift from um, God, you know, women these days or men these days, you know, men don't want to commit or, you know, online dating. I just, they, you know, I can't meet anybody and whatever, whatever you're telling yourself to, hmm, I don't seem to be able to meet someone and get into a satisfying relationship, I wonder why that is. And when you say it from that direction, right? Here's an example. If you've been cheated on um, repeatedly, you could draw two separate conclusions. One would be, um, man, women just cheat more these days. Okay? That one makes you a victim. Can't fix women. But if you instead come at it from a perspective of self-responsibility where you say, man, I don't know why, but I keep attracting women who are unfaithful. I wonder why that is. Now there's something you can fix. You've moved from victimhood to empowerment. This is an essential step. So what I do when I work with people is I show them exactly what it is that they're doing totally subconsciously That's giving them the life experience that they now have. And in doing so, they go from being a victim of their life experience to completely and utterly empowered and intentional in their life. They experience more freedom, more confidence, more self-love. They find and identify and can express and live from their authentic self. Imagine the freedom and joy that that would bring. this I think I've been speaking about this in recent episodes. This Art of of Authenticity program is through the roof. It is so stellar. It's the best work I've ever done. And uh, it's extraordinary. It's incredibly transformative. It's incredibly effective. And that's because it skips through all the bullshit. My method skips through all the bullshit because you've had enough of that. You already know where that leads. So many people, they want to solve the problem, but instead they address the symptoms. I could sit here and tell you, talk to you about, you know, why women cheat more these days. It's utterly irrelevant because lots and lots and lots of women don't cheat. Lots. It's not them. It's what you find yourself drawn to. But suddenly, we go down. I just did this with a, a, um, a first time client today. Never done any work like this. He just heard me. I think he heard me on the podcast. And he said, I, I want to work with you. And he signed right up. And we went in today. And he's like, I want to find my limiting beliefs. And I go, great. And we dove down and we found the source of what was causing them. And boom, it was shifted in one moment in one session that's in an hour he's had this issue for 50 years doesn't matter how long you've been struggling it doesn't matter what you've already tried that hasn't worked it doesn't matter whatever story you're telling yourself about why you have these issues that's all the bullshit those are all the symptoms that's all the you you've spent time there what you need is something and someone who can guide you straight to the core of the issue and eliminate it right there on the call. There is nothing about the struggles in your life that is not fixable. I'm just going to say that again. There is nothing about the struggles in your life that is not fixable. I'm telling you, I had them all. Relationship distortions, self-sabotage, insecurities, self-hatred, body image issues, weight on my body, unhappiness, lack of fulfillment, low self-confidence, low self-esteem, all of it. All of it's gone. And I do that for clients every single day. I'm telling you this, not to impress you, but to impress upon you that everything you are experiencing is of your own creating. And when you understand why that is and how that is, and you learn to operate your own vehicle, and you come off of autopilot and instead begin living a life by design instead of a life by default, everything begins to change. And that, my love, is incredibly and powerfully Possible for you. My name is Domini Drew. I have been your host. I have been your uh, your Sherpa <laughs> up the mountain of shooting and self love. If any of this resonates with you, please don't hesitate to reach out. We can get on a call and see how I can help. If you uh, like this podcast, please uh, download and subscribe. Please pass it along to any uh, friends or people that you know who, um, who you think would benefit from it because my intention is to reach a global audience with this work and to change and transform as many lives as seek the work and transformation. Thank you so much for joining me. I'll see you next time.